I had been called in um, years ago as a consultant, if you would, to a church setting in which there was a group of people who were uh, having a difficulty understanding what was going on in their church with uh, some members of the pastoral staff. And so, as an officer in the state assembly, I was asked to, to come in and be a part of a, if you would, mediation between these folks. And uh, as I, I watched things unfold, uh, it was quite interesting, to be very honest with you. Uh, it was um, it was a living example of a kind of parable that I'd heard from one of my mentors years earlier that, that when, when emotion enters a room, uh, reason flies out the window, okay? Uh, that, that, that when everybody gets all upset about something, it's like nobody's rational about anything. And, and it was really getting heated in the room when, when one of the men looked at one of the young pastors and said to him, now, look, if we disagree with you, if, if, if we don't agree with what you're doing, who do we go to? Who, who has the authority? Do, do, do we go to you? Do we go to the board? Do, do we go to these guests that are here from the state? Who, we just want to know, who do we talk to? And the young pastor looked at him, and, and I'm thinking, this is a great opportunity. This is, this is going to go really, really well. And he looked at him, and in anger, he responded, well, you need to talk to God. To which the gentleman looked at him and responded, I have talked to God, and that's why I disagree with you. It was not a good moment. I'm thinking this is going to be a long, long evening here. You know, I, I've thought a lot about that day and that evening over the last several days and evenings as I've looked at what's going on in our world. Uh, this series that we're in that we're calling The Great Recalibrate, is, a, is an attempt to look at the New Testament church in the book of Acts and to, and to watch what God did when He began to, to recalibrate the faith of people and re recalibrate the way in which people could experience Him and, and recalibrate the, the way that, that people's hearts responded to Him, the, the way that, that they were to live with integrity and, and to live in, in such a way that, that they would bring hope to the world. And, and when you start reading the book of Acts and, and you start seeing the stories, you begin to get a sense of, of what God was doing, that, that He really was changing people's lives. And, and through Jesus, He really was recalibrating their integrity and, and giving them a hope that, that they'd never had before. And, and as you keep reading, you come to a, to a pivot story, a, a story that that really settles a, a really important question. It was the question that, that the gentleman was asking the pastor all those years ago in that, in that room where the emotions were running so high. It, it's, the, it's the question of, of who's in charge. It, it's the question of where does the authority lie? I mean, where, where really is the authority? And, and to get a feel for that story, I, I want you to remember what's going on that we talked about the last few weeks. God has been using the apostles, Peter, John, the others, to do miraculous things. There's a unity in, in their being. There's a, there's a camaraderie in their mission. There's a, there's a sense that they are together as the, as the people of God. And, and yet, they're coming into conflict with 
with the authorities, with, with the, the Sanhedrin is the actual name of, of the group because, because they're preaching in the name of Jesus and, and they've been warned not to do that. But they've said, at least Peter and John did, to the Sanhedrin, look, if we have to choose between you and God, hey, God wins every time. And so we're going to listen to God. And, and they kept preaching and they kept praying and and people's lives kept being changed to the point that now there are, quite honestly, thousands of people in Jerusalem. And they're gathering in the temple, and the, the, the apostles, not just, not just Peter and John, but the other ten apostles, they're, they're teaching about Jesus and what Jesus had taught them. And, and, and hundreds of people are gathering, and thousands of people's lives have been transformed. And, and, and in the midst of that, miracles are taking place. As we, as we talked last week about the fact that, that people would quite literally put their sick folk and their, their crippled folk on the side of the road in the hopes that as the apostles walked by, if like if like Peter's shadow would hit them, there would be such a, a manifestation of God's power that, that those people would be healed. And it's kind of like the time when Jesus was in teaching and he was in a crowd and, and in the midst of all those people, one, one lady, just, just one lady reached up and, and touched the hem of his garment and Jesus stopped. He stopped when all these people are in, in jostling him and trying to touch him. And he stopped and said, somebody touched me. And the, and the disciples are like, are you kidding me? He said, lots of people are touching you. He said, no, no, I don't mean like that. I mean like somebody really touched me believing that something could happen in their life. And, and he turned and there was this lady. And she said, it was me. And, and my body is whole for the first time in years. It was that kind of moment. It was that kind of miraculous thing that was happening in Jerusalem through Jesus at work, through His recalibration of hearts and integrity and hope. He was making a difference in, in these people's lives. And, and the response, the response was not all good. Listen, as I read for you from Acts chapter 5, Beginning in verse 17, listen to the reaction of the Sanhedrin. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple. And speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council on, and all the senate of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. They were greatly perplexed. <laughs> you think? You see, what's going on here is that, is that in the midst of their belief about where authority lies, God is recalibrating where authority lies. 
Because you see, these were people, the, the chief priest and the, the head of the guard and the Sanhedrin, they were people who believed that, that authority, authority came from position and, and power. That, that authority came from, from whoever was in control. I mean, this chief priest had waited years to be the man in charge. And this Sanhedrin and this Senate, they, they were the people that, that made the rules. They were the people who said to everybody, hey, this is what God says. And yet, here's this group of ragtag disciples of a carpenter from a little place called Nazareth that they thought they had taken care of just, just weeks earlier when, when they had met, not according to their rules, but they had, they had met at night in secret and had convicted this Jesus and, and then given him over to Pilate to, to crucify him. They were the ones who had incited the crowd to yell, crucify him, crucify him. These were the people who were in charge, and you did not mess with the people in charge because it was about position, and it was about power. And now here were these, these disciples, and they had been told. I mean, Peter and John were obviously the leaders. They had been brought in, and they had been told, look, you're going to stop teaching in the name of Jesus. You're to stop telling people these things about us. You're supposed to not tell them that, that we're the ones who instigated his death. But they just kept doing it. They were so perplexed and they were so frustrated because, because everything they knew about authority was falling apart. Because when God recalibrates hearts and God recalibrates integrity and God recalibrates hope, he also he also recalibrates authority. And this morning, I, I would like us to take just a few minutes and look at how in the world he recalibrates authority because I think we're living, in fact, I know we're living in a time in which authority is the big question. Who's really in charge? Who's really making the rules? Where does it really come from? And everyone's got an opinion, but only God is the one who's doing the recalibrating. And maybe, just maybe, if we look into his word, if we explore this story just a little bit, we'll discover something about it. Did you hear when I first started reading that Luke tells us that the chief priest was so upset, he was jealous. He was jealous because people were listening to these disciples of Jesus. People were following this teacher from Nazareth, thousands of them, and they were wandering away from his authority. And out of his jealousy, he, he reacted and he had them arrested and he exuded his power and he used his position. And he thought, that's it. We've got it. We've got it under control right now. Our power, our position, just like we took care of Jesus, their teacher. We're taking care of these 12 guys. But that wasn't the way God saw it. I mean, did you hear? I mean, they're in jail. The guards are at their post. Nobody fails. Nobody fails to do their job. Nobody falls asleep. Nobody wanders away. The keys aren't left on a desk where somebody can get to them. No, it's not that they found a way out of prison. And by the way, they weren't put in a nice prison. They were put in like the public prison. Luke wants us to understand that. It's like being thrown in the drunk tank in a county jail on a Friday night. I mean, they're, they're, they're thrown in, and that's where they are. And, and yet, in the middle of the night, in, in the middle of the night, 
with guards posted everywhere and everyone aware and everyone awake and everyone doing what they're doing, an angel shows up, a messenger from God. That's what angels are. And this angel, this messenger from God who shows up, unlocks the door and says to these 12 guys, listen, you're not supposed to be in here. I'm about to show. God sent me to, to let you know. He's about to show people that, that he's really the one who has the authority. So what I want you to do is I want you to leave here. I want you to go back into the temple. I want you to go back to Solomon's portico. I want you to start teaching the people this very message of life about who Jesus is. And so they followed that because here's what, here's what God demonstrates. Here's the way God recalibrates authority. See, while, while the Sanhedrin and the chief priest and many of us believe that power and position are where authority comes from, God, God had sent Jesus to teach us that it's about presence. It's about His presence. See, see, the authority isn't just because you have the position. The authority isn't just because you have the power. In fact, you can have the power and the position and not have the authority. Because the authority of God, the authority to change a life, the authority to, to do things right, comes from the presence of Jesus in your life. And Jesus recalibrates the world's view of authority away from position and power into his presence. I mean, look at it again. The high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they had heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now that's where the story gets really fun. Because when they start teaching... They're over here in the temple at Solomon's portico teaching about who Jesus was. And the Sanhedrin is meeting. They're meeting legally now because that's when they normally met, in the daylight, in the morning hours. And they're waiting for these people that they've arrested, the people who are under their power and who they've used their position to subjugate. And now, now here they are. And, and what happens is that, is that in the process, in, in the process of that, they realize that they're not in charge. Have you ever been in a place where you realized you were not in charge? Or you thought you were in charge? Because that's what's going on for them. And, and that's why the emotions get all, all amped up. But, but see, what, what happens is they thought they were in charge because they were going to bring these 12 guys in. And they were going to, as they brought them in, they, they were going to intimidate them and, and manipulate them. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because, because you have to figure out how the Sanhedrin worked. I told you a few weeks ago, the Sanhedrin was 60 people, okay? I want you to get this, 60 people plus the high priest, so 61 people. And when, 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 they, when they brought somebody in, when someone was on trial there, they, they, they would make a circle of, of the 61 chairs, and then whoever was being accused was put in the middle. Now, the last time this happened, it was that we read about in the book of Acts, it was Peter and John and the crippled man who wasn't crippled anymore. And so the three of them were in there. And now this time, this time, here's Peter and John and 10 other guys. So now you've got 61 guys in a circle. They've got all the power of their religion, all the power of their nation. It's, it's the Sanhedrin and the Senate. This is all the power you could ever see. And it's right there, all together. And as they're there, the design of everything is to intimidate and manipulate. 
But the disciples are not intimidated, and they won't be manipulated. And the reason is because Jesus had told them this was going to happen. You can find it in Matthew chapter 10 or Mark chapter 13 when Jesus was teaching them about what was going to happen. He said to them, now listen, there's going to come a day when they're going to bring you in front of all of these powerful people. And when you get to that day, I don't want you to be worried. I don't want you to be anxious. What I want you to be is I want you to be trusting. I want you to trust me because I'm going to be present with you and I'm going to be there. And my spirit will give you the words. You don't even have to have a speech ready. You don't, you don't have to be ready for what's going to happen. Just be there and be open, and my spirit will be. And so when they're in this place that's designed to intimidate and manipulate, suddenly they're not intimidated, and they're not manipulated. And I don't know, have you ever been intimidated? Do you remember the first time you were intimidated? I remember it vividly for me. I was a freshman in high school. I was 15 years old. It was near the end of my freshman year. The principal of our school came, and he got, he got me out of class, and he said, hey, Kerry, listen, the Youth Optimist Organization here in Jackson has given an award. They've asked each high school to, to pick one of their students, and, and, or, or two of their students, a boy and a girl, and, and to send them down to, to a luncheon in downtown Jackson. And we, the teachers have talked, and we've picked you, and we've picked this girl from your class. And so the two of you are going down to represent our school, and you're going down to the state capitol to a hotel and a banquet facility at the state capitol. And I was like, wow, I've never been there before. <laughs> and then I got a little nervous because I'm like, I haven't been there before. And then I realized, but it's not a problem. See, my dad was the pastor of this little church in, in Jackson, Mississippi, a little Church of God church, a couple hundred people. It wasn't a big place at all. And, and you know, I, you could get a little intimidated. But, but the girl going with me, her daddy was a lawyer. And I'm like, she, she knows what, she can handle it. I mean, he's a lawyer. I'm sure she's been there before. The day of, we get there. And I'm, I'm telling you, all the state legislators are there. I'm, I'm 15 years old. I am impressed with the power, and I am impressed with the position, and I'm intimidated by everything. And then they brought the food out. I mean, there were, there were, not, there were multiple forks. I had never seen multiple forks. I, I, I'm like, which? And there were, there were a couple of knives. I'm trying to figure out, what do, you, what do you do with different knives? And then when they brought the food, with all those multiple forks and all of that, I mean, quite honestly, I started to eat the salad with the wrong fork, and the girl said, Carrie, you use the other one. I'm like, okay, fine. And so I, I got the right fork and, and licked the other one. No, I didn't really. Um, and, and, I, and I put it down, and, 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 I, and I looked around, and, and, and then they brought out the main course, and, and, and it was shish kebab. It's shish kebab. You know what that is? That's meat on a stick, okay, with vegetables on the stick too. And I'm sitting there with multiple knives and forks and meat on a stick, and I'm like, how do you eat this? And I turned to the lawyer's daughter, right? And I said, you know how to do this with etiquette? And she goes, I have no clue. I don't know how we get the food off the stick. Well, and then I look across the table, and there was a guy I played football against. His name was Murray, and Murray was about 6'4", 6'5". At that time, he weighed about 240. Later on, he went to Ole Miss, and they put about 40 or 50 pounds on him. He was an offensive lineman there. Big, big guy. And, and Murray, Murray's sitting there, and he looks at it. He looked at the forks, and then he just reached down and started peeling the meat off the stick with his hand. I'm like, I will not be that bad, okay? I, mean, I, I, just, I just, I won't be that bad at all. And, uh, and then finally, my, my friend 
hit me with her elbow, and, and she said, hey, um, look over there. And we found somebody, an adult in the room, okay, who was taking them. We figured out how to eat the shish. I was so intimidated. If I was that intimidated by something that little, how, how do you think Andrew or Philip or Nathaniel, or the, the other disciples, not Peter and John, they'd been there before, right? They had help this time. I mean, there's like, hey, it's just, it, it, the first time around, it was just us and the crippled man, but now, hey, we got our, we got our friends with us now. There's 12 of us. We can do this. And, and, and the other 10, though, they're like, man, we have never stood in this place before. I see, I, I think the people who look at authority through position and power are always trying to find a way to intimidate and manipulate, always trying to find a way. And in the middle of that process, the, the, whole, the whole thing shifts because, because now here they are standing in the midst of it, and the high priest is challenging them, and he's confronting them, and he's saying, we told you not to teach this, and we told you not to say this about Jesus, and you're out here telling thousands of people that we're the reason Jesus died, and you need to stop this. And now suddenly Jesus' promise came true, and, and Peter speaks for all of them and says, hey, look, no, we're not going to stop talking about Jesus because we were witnesses to it. We saw what you did to him. These other people, they didn't see it, but we saw what you did. And we're not going to stop talking. You can't intimidate us. And here's why. Because we know that he is with us and his spirit is within us. Because see, Jesus recalibrates authority away from intimidation and manipulation to empowerment. He empowers us. Whatever the situation is, whatever prison you're locked in, whether it's an addiction or, or whether it's a, a past or, or whether it's some situation you're in, whatever, whatever it is that you're, that you're imprisoned by, hey, listen, he comes into that and he's present with you right in the midst of the pain. But when you're intimidated and you're being manipulated, he wants you to know he's right there with you then too. And now he's going to empower you. He's going to empower you to be healed. He's going to empower you to be free. He's going to empower you to make a difference. I mean, look at the way Luke records it for us. And someone came and told the people there when they discovered that the disciples weren't in the room, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them. Not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. I love that. The people of power and position are afraid of the thousands of people who are being influenced by the people of presence and empowerment. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. My friends, in the middle of all of that, in the middle of that kind of intimidation, in the middle of that kind of manipulation, God was present, and God delivered, and God empowered, and He wants to do the same thing to you. He wants to do the same thing for you in this time frame, in this world. I love the fact that Luke tells us that, that the soldiers were actually afraid. They were afraid that the people would stone them before they could get the apostles into the Sanhedrin where the Sanhedrin could stone the apostles. 
They were afraid because they saw the power of the presence of God in the lives of these men. I wonder what it would look like in our world right now with all the different viewpoints and all the different perspectives and all the different claims to position and power and all the manipulation and all the intimidation that's going on about who should do this and where it should happen if, if, if the people of God became the people of the presence of God, became the people empowered by God. What difference would that make in our world? What difference would that make in our lives? Could it, could, it possibly, could it possibly be the answer to all the angst? Could it possibly be the answer to all the heartache? Could it be possibly the, the answer to the whole drama that we're living through? Maybe, maybe even God can be present in a pandemic. Maybe God can be present even when we're physically distanced because we care for each other. and We want to do what's best for the other one. Maybe if we do that, instead of demanding our rights, instead of demanding what we want, instead of looking at things as if how they feed us, we begin to look at how to be the church and feed people physically and spiritually, relationally and emotionally. Maybe, just maybe, in that presence, in that moment, in that lack of intimidation, in that lack of being manipulated, the presence of God empowering His people changes everything. At this moment in the story, a really critical thing happens when Peter and the others decide, nope, we're not going to kowtow to the powers that be. We're not going to bend our knee. We're, we're instead, we're, we're going to be present as the people of God. We're going we're, we're to be empowered by His Spirit to, to do something in our world. An interesting thing takes place. Uh, there's this Pharisee on the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin, while it was this body of 60 people, and it's the Sanhedrin and the Senate, and this is all the leadership of Israel, you've got to know it was a two-party system. Does that sound familiar? There were the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and they brought different perspectives to the table. And in the midst of that, one of the Pharisees, the minority party at that point in time, they, they, they spoke up. His name was Gamaliel. If you've read the New Testament, you might know much about Gamaliel. He, he had a student whose name was Saul. He, he became Paul. And Gamaliel had studied with the, with the historically significant Jewish rabbi Hillel. And, and he was recognized as one of the most powerful, wise men in all of Israel. And in the midst of this process, he says to the chief priest who's from the Sadducee party, hey, can you send these, these 12 guys out for a minute? Let's talk among ourselves. Because when, when Peter and the others said what they did, the, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were all angry, and they were about to stone them right there. And Gamaliel says, hey, hey, hold, hold on a minute. Hold on. Send them out. Let's talk. And he says, you've got to know. You know, we've been through this before. Don't you remember Theodos? And the 400 people who followed after him. But then when he died, they all drifted away. And don't you remember that, that, that Judas guy that started the revolution about the, about the taxes that were too much and, and how people came around him and they formed the, the zealot party and, and, and it, and it kind of went underground and, and, and it didn't really make much difference. They tried, but it didn't. Gamaliel says, hey guys, listen to me. If this thing is of God, it'll stay. If it's not of God, it'll go away. And if we oppose it and it's of God, we might even be opposing God. I just, I just want to say to you, let's, let's, let's let these guys do their thing for a little while. And the Sanhedrin listened to Gamaliel. But they didn't listen all the way. 
Because look at what happens. You see, when Jesus recalibrates authority past the manipulation and the intimidation with empowerment, he also recalibrates authority from violence and retribution to sacrifice. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Look, look at what happened. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then the disciples left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name, the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ, the Messiah, is Jesus. You see, what, what, God, what God did by empowering those men that the Sanhedrin was trying to manipulate and intimidate, what God did by being present with those people who had run into the power and the position of others that put them in prison, what God does for you and me when we're walking through the time frame we're walking through right now is that not only does He, he, does he become present with us, not only does He empower us, but, but he, also, he also shows us the difference between a religious system and real, honest, biblical Christianity. And here's the difference. See, other things will teach you about being present with people. Other thought systems will, will empower you with some ways of looking at life. But only Christianity will make you willing to sacrifice everything. Make you willing to sacrifice everything. Th these men... These men had stood up to the greatest political power in their world. The greatest religious system in their world. They didn't even get to the Roman system. They had to go through this one. Later on, they'll, they'll stand up to Rome. But they stood up because God was with them. And they were willing to be beaten. I love that phrase. They, they had them beaten. <laughs> They had him flogged, which is basically the same thing that happened to Jesus before he was crucified. They were beaten the same way their Savior was beaten. Forty lashes minus one. And they went away. They went away thrilled, rejoicing, because they had been counted worthy to suffer. The difference in the authority of Jesus and the authority of the world. The difference between the authority of Jesus and the authority of any other thought system is the willingness to be a sacrifice, a willingness to suffer for who Jesus is.